What's goody how breath averse? I am teaching a clean comedy workshop on Zoom this Sunday afternoon. So if you've ever wondered where the line is in clean comedy, how to transform your dirty jokes to clean jokes without compromising your voice, and get live feedback on your material in the workshop, scroll to the bottom of the show notes, click the link, join the clean comedy workshop, or go to joelbyerscomedy.com slash clean comedy workshop. And I'll see you there. Last one sold out, so jump on it. What's goody, Hot Breath Verse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. We are back with our weekly Q&A. We live stream on our YouTube channel and Facebook group every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So set your alarms to join us live next week. And we're going to get into some good topics today. Mmm, comedy. Just a soup of comedy knowledge. Let's go. If this is your first time listening to Hot Breath, I am comedian Joel Byers. And I am Yoshi So. We are two working comedians that not only love working comedy as our job, but also we love helping other comedians do the same. Whether they're aspiring comics or striving to go full time, which is something we certainly had to work up towards in our career. Wherever you're at in your career... We're here to help answer your questions. I'm, I'm feeling really good about this one. We've already got some questions strolling yeah. in here. We've got some new faces in here already. So there's some people who have been listening to the podcast and are like, ooh, I need to be involved in the live chat so I can ask my question directly. Yay, yay. So let's get into these questions straight off the jump. And let's get into the first question, my friends. First up, we have Mike Jumps who says, currently writing some one-liners about exes. Typically, I choose a topic for the day, then I get to work. I pick a structure from Jerry Corley's book and write a joke in two minutes. Do you think you get better jokes in 10 minutes than in two minutes, considering if you do two minutes, you get more jokes to choose from? Should have spent that 10 minutes rewording this question to make better <laughs> yeah. sense. Maybe Put that, that back in chat GPT and then re Maybe that out. is. <laughs> so I think. But I, I think I, I get I, it. I think I get the question. I think what he's trying to say is, is it better to work on jokes in two minute increments than in 10 minute increments? Is that what you got from it? I want to make sure that we're both. on. The yeah. Same yeah. That's how I was going to interpret it as well. Okay. All right. Um, you know, honestly, I don't think it really matters. I think when it comes to jokes, especially when it comes to um, writing on a regular, it's really about, I say it's about the bits. It's really about getting bits in. So whether a bit is a minute long, whether it's four minute long, I think it's just about, do you have like something cohesive that sort of brings it together? in terms of adding to the rest of your set. So if you're practicing, you know, uh, writing and you're going through exercises, think about the exercises, it's meant to force you to write for that specific amount of time and try to get as many jokes as possible. Uh, but as you're working out bits and you're adding to, let's say you already have a 15 minute set, I say just add bits to those pieces, no matter how long it takes. I hope that helps. Okay, so let me unconfuse everyone. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just going to apply this on a more um, grounded level. Sure. I didn't mean like. No, you had a you had a great response. I just meant I'm gonna I'm gonna apply no, this to our right ten club. No, no, it's cool. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, so yeah. remember, I said at the beginning of this, I'm gonna start talking more positively. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said that before we went live or not, but um, maybe it's off the record. But I'm gonna apply this to our right ten club, where every morning and evening in our Facebook group, we post a new word, and members will write a new joke. Uh, using that word and give each other feedback and things like that. And then we have jokes of the day for right 10 and right 10 after dark. So the whole exercise, it all started one with just me wanting accountability to write jokes. So I would live stream and write a joke on here and set a 10 minute timer. And it just grew into this like 
overall just like daily joke writing competition. But I say all that to say the intention, and I know not everyone uses it for this intention, but the intention is it's called the right 10 for the sake of it starts at 10 a.m. and it's a 10 minute writing exercise. So you have a single word and you spend 10 minutes crafting a single joke using that word. That's the intention of it. Now, in the Facebook group, you know, and I participate a lot of the days. I'm not perfect, but I, I try to be in there at least most of the days during the week. And a lot of people will write seven, eight, sometimes 10 jokes using this one word. And if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But the intention is, and just to apply this to Mike and his question about should I spend two minutes on a joke or 10 minutes on a joke, the intention is to spend 10 minutes finding, okay, what are all the funny or interesting things about this singular word that I may be able to write a joke about? Okay, now what is the premise of the joke I want to write about this certain aspect of this word? Okay, now what is the setup of this? Okay, now what would be the misdirect and the punchline of this? Okay, now how can I refine this and tweak this to make it as tight and coherent as possible? You know, Jerry Seinfeld said he'll spend an hour getting an eight-word line down to five if he can do it because literally like every single word of a joke matters and in a 10 minute exercise it's like just long enough for you to really like go through this whole arc of like all right cool i'm gonna write a joke and then like oh this is dumb what am i even gonna do here and then on the other side a lot of times you come up with at least something or some resemblance or just to get the juices flowing but i would say mike to sum all this up my personal preference is to use that 10 minutes and don't, don't, this is a good answer. Yoshi is, for those of you listening to the podcast, Yoshi's getting ready to say something snarky because he got a new webcam so I can see all his snark. But that's the, that's the meticulous aspect of joke writing where you are refining specific words and how can I set this up better? Or how can the punchline hit harder? How can I move the punchline to the actual end of the joke and not in the middle? So those are all the little just, details of joke writing that really separate a joke that gets like a five laugh and like a nine or 10 laugh. So 10 minutes. Yeah. For yeah. My 10 no, minute I wasn't, wasn't going to say anything snarky. No, oh, not at all. Okay, cool. Um, I think, uh, I think we actually answered it from two different perspectives. Uh, I think I was thinking about it from the aspect of, do you spend that 10 minutes to try to just get one joke or do you spend that 10 minutes to try to get, just like the perfect joke. That's how I sort of read it. And I think uh -huh. that's how the question came out. But I think it's just a matter, I think what we both summed up is no matter what time it is, just try to focus on getting all the details out of your head, no matter how much time you set for yourself. If you're setting for yourself two minutes to write a joke, then really your brain is only gonna work at that two minute increment. But if you set yourself up for 10 minutes, and you're like, okay, I'm going to work on one joke for 10 minutes. You could still get a lot out of that. Now, if your exercise is how many jokes can I write during this time within a 10 minute period, then of course you can do that. But I think what you're saying is it's about the time that you put in, not necessarily how many jokes you get out of it. It's about the quality of the jokes versus just, oh, I got to get as many jokes as possible with this. So I hope that helps. I think yeah. you're saying just work on the quality of the joke. And what I'm mm -hmm. saying is just focus on what you want to get out of it. If the exercise is, I just got to get as many jokes out, then do that. But if the exercise is, I want to get the best joke, then it doesn't matter what time you spend on it. Just try to get the best joke. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite one-liners I've written took me over an hour to write it. From like mm. figuring out the premise to the setup to the punchline and all that. So, I mean, they, yeah, 10 minutes is just kind of a, it's a little sprint of an exercise, <laughs> which just to say, to shout out Right 10 Club, uh, one of the people who's a consistent member in there is John Beal, who actually posted in our Facebook group saying he performed for the first time yeah. this week using <laughs> Right 10 jokes <laughs> and it went great. <laughs> Yay! Let's go! So congrats to John Beal, and that's a big part of our Facebook group if you guys aren't members of it yet. 
is it's like a supportive, collaborative community of working and aspiring comedians. So yeah, way to get on worth stage. joining if you're not yeah. a member yet. It's free. Yeah, wait. We're stage. in there helping each other out every day. We, we talk about it all the time. Just set a calendar invite to get yourself on stage so you have something to look forward to mm-hmm. and you have a deadline that you can go try to meet. It helps when you have a deadline not to just say, oh, I'm going to do an open mic one day. Find the local open mic. Find the date that you're going to perform and then work on the craft and work on the jokes before that point. So the fact that you're up on stage is a huge step that you got yeah. on stage. It's huge. It took me a year before I got on stage. I was writing for a year before I got on stage, just writing in notebooks, just full of stuff, but didn't get on stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So the stage is where truly, you know, they say that's where the magic happens, but the magic is in the writing. The magic is in the editing, but with all the comics that we've interviewed over the years that Joel has interviewed over the years, the number one thing is stage time. Get yeah. on that stage. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. Speaking of which, uh, Zeb Ballantyne coming up next. What up, Zeb? He asks, uh, it's so common for headliners to bring their own features. What are some ways to get feature work without relying on on a headliner? Good question. Um, I think one way to get feature work really, especially if you're in your locale, is to work with your local uh, comedy club and send them your tape. Now, is this going to work every single time? It may not. But really, what comedy club bookers want to know is can you actually handle that 25, 30 minute feature um, slot that most Mm -hmm. features are doing? And to do that, they got to see it and they've got to be able to be like, oh, you can definitely do this. So I think that's definitely one way. It may not work every single time, but I know features that work locally and they've been doing it just from sending tape but also been doing it, but just by getting busy, keeping busy. They're at the open mics, really owning their craft. I know comics that show up for an open mic and they get booked for feature work because the booker was actually at the club watching the open mic. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, oh, you're working and you're working on your craft. That's truly the best way to do it. I know know the way you mentioned sort of headliners in terms of bringing their own features. There's nothing wrong with really trying to attach yourself to a headliner. The business of comedy is about networking. One of the biggest things that you will get work from is from other comedians. So don't downplay actually connecting with headliners or connecting with other features or connecting with other comics to try to get work. A lot of the work that you're going to get as a comedian is going to come from other comedians. So just know that there's just many ways to get this. Yep. And if you know a comedian that may be able to refer you to a club, like put in a good word, that's a way to get in. If you see comedians coming into town at your local club, it doesn't hurt to reach out to that comedian and be, hey, do you have an opener for this show? I would love the opportunity and like here's a link of my stand-up or you know, details like that to qualify you as a feature. But at the end of the day, yeah, most of your work is 100% going to come from other comedians in a network you build over time. Facts. But good question there, Zeb. Great question. Next question. This is a bit of a doozy. This is from Jeremiah Hughes, who actually snuck this in while at work. So that's great. We love seeing we love seeing <laughs> peeps slide in here during work. That's the best. Um, oh, yeah. And this is a paragraph. So I don't know if he works as a copywriter. I mean, this is a novel. I mean, he really wrote uh, a whole novel. For someone who's in a hurry at work, he really took the time to craft a five paragraph structure with a thesis. All right. 
Well, let's let's get into it here. So he says, thanks for asking, is what I meant to say, Jeremiah. Uh, he says, um, I have a room in a small town I am producing that has a good attendance, about 65 people last time. The only problem is I can't seem to get the crowd to be very quiet during the show. I've tried arranging the tables to face the stage better, reminding the crowd in between comics to be quiet and telling them right away when they come in that there's no talking during the show. Next time I'm going to print out cards and leave them on the table telling them to be quiet. It's a comedy show. It doesn't seem to be the comedians I've seen. Wait, it doesn't seem to be the comedians I've seen them do really well in other rooms. Just seems to be a door of background talking. Do you have any ideas that I can do to help a crowd be more quiet in general? Good night. It sounds like he's doing this show at Roadhouse. <laughs> like... yeah, there, was a, there was a lot of uh, internal trauma on this yeah. question. He's feeling the, this. Facing the tables at this. I mean, it seems like he's saying it up to be good. Yeah, I think yeah. the, the cards on the table are a great reminder. And honestly, like, be even more intentional, like at your next show of being like, okay, last time the audience talked a lot and it ruined the show. So please, yeah. please, please do not talk during this show. This is an art form and please treat it as such. And then make sure you get their like consensus. Like, all right, do, can we all agree? Do you all understand this? And be like, yeah. And they're like, all right, now let's like get into the show and you can, getting to your sillies and stuff, but really like welcoming them and then setting that intention of like, all right, last time this happened and it's no bueno. So let's change that for this time. Cause these comedians work really hard on these jokes and really just amp up the fact that they're about to have this amazing comedy experience that they don't want to ruin essentially. Yeah, that's good. And another thing I would also add is reward the crowd when they are quiet. Like, I think people sometimes forget mm. that people, that crowds need to be somewhat trained from a host perspective. That's why a host is so important. You have to train the crowd on how to react to a comedy show. A lot of people may never have been to a comedy show or haven't been to one in a while. And you as the host or you as a producer have to almost train them. So if let's say the first comedian goes up and the crowd was quiet, be like, hey, you guys did amazing. You guys were so quiet during that dude set and you laughed. That's exactly what we're looking for. Let's keep that energy going and let's bring up your next comedian. Bam, you go on to your next comedian. So I think it's important to reinforce the rules. Even if you reinforce the rules in between each of the comedians, it's okay to do that. Uh, leave things on the table that actually say, hey, we got to be quiet. Even if you got to put signs in other places like on the walls, uh, and other things, but just like reinforcing what you want out of it. Um, and then reminding them, Hey, this is what this comedy show is doing. This is how we operate this comedy show and making sure that they know that this is what it takes to have a good time and rewarding them and be like, man, you guys did amazing for that. Thanks for doing that. We're going to bring up the next comedian, bam, do it all over again. Bob, ba boom. There you go. And some uh, good. Bye, bye. Some good um, replies in the comments as well, like Tony Peters saying, dim the lights, TV's off. Um, yeah. Oh, John Beal said, are you running a middle school cafeteria? That's funny. <laughs> but John's the one who we were talking about earlier who got on stage for the first time, so that's great. Um, yeah, any other distractions? Yeah, if there are TVs on or things like that, definitely want to make sure those are turned off. Um, yeah, good luck with that there, Jeremiah. And let us know how it goes. And just being very... Yep. Yeah, just being very intentional and matter of fact, uh, well, really like yeah. last week I did a show here in Atlanta at cat's cafe, which is usually like, it's one of the longest running shows here. The audiences are always like super duper comedy fans and they're just into it for the show. But like last yeah. week there was a table in the middle that was ha like hammered. I've never, I've been going to the show for years, <laughs> hammered and the host, um, my like the OG Tyler Chronicles like yeah. he's one of the funniest in the game and he at a point he was just like hey you guys are like ruining the show like he tried his best <laughs> to play with them and then he was like you're really like ruining the show and then Maurice the show producer went up after the next comedian 
and was like, <laughs> all right, this is an art form. These comedians traveled from like all over the country to be here and they worked really hard on this material. And he kept reemphasizing, this is an art form. The comedians are working <laughs> hard. Like he was really emphasizing just like yeah. the, the value that they're getting that they're not appreciating. And then that just, that turned the show all the way around. So mm. an audience will listen to you if you're very like heartfelt and genuine about Sure. What if you come from a good for. place and you come from a good intention, the audience will receive it pretty well. I mean, sometimes you can't control an audience or you can't control how drunk people are. Uh, you're going to have that. But if you come from a good place, uh, usually it'll be very, very well received. So good question, man. Very nice. All right, let's get to the next one here. Somebody asked, what happened to the good old days when you just needed to be funny and not 80 billion followers on Twitter just to get booked at a comedy club? Mm. Oh, that was Comedian Guy Hanna. Comedian Guy Hanna. That is the reality. Get with <laughs> it or get left behind. I mean, yeah. we, can we can complain all day till we're blue yep. in the face. These open yep. micers doing crowd work and then they go yep. viral and now they're selling out venues. I, that, the, the game, it is what it is now. Yeah, it is what it is. But also, that's what's changing about comedy. At the end of the day, comedy is experiencing a boom right now. But the boom sure. is because of social media. You know how many people have not known about all the funny people that <laughs> exist? And then all of a sudden, like, social media clips and comedy is probably, like, one of the top things that people watch across the world. So, yep. yes, it's not great that somehow, you know... Not everyone is funny who has a, who doesn't have a billion followers or whatever, and they're getting booked. But the reality is the comedy clubs are really looking at this, and they're saying, well, why would we need to work if you already come with a built-in audience and the thing that we're providing you is just a space? You know what I mean? From a business yep. sense, it probably just makes more sense. Then they don't have to do the work that they used to do, which is go find talent. It's like talent just be like, hey, can I just use your spot just to bring my own followers to your club? So I think this is one of those situations where this isn't going to change. And it's very rarely does it go backwards. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like social is here to stay. You know what I mean? Like it's not about to be like, nah, we're not going to do social media. People aren't going to be funny from social media and aren't going to get booked from social media. Those that ship has sailed. And the good thing about it though, is the cream does rise to the top. Like honestly, Always. because there's Always. so much out there when people yeah. see something good, it stands out and they're likely to share it. And they're more likely to like follow you and stay engaged with you because they see comedy all day. And they're like, oh, this one's special. This one stood out. This person actually like knows what they're doing. So there's the positive side of it is that it can really help you to stand out if you are good at it. But this is, yeah, this is all part of the game that's going nowhere. And I, I posted in the community tab of our YouTube channel this week asking if crowd work is ruining comedy. And uh, like it was like 70-30 of like <laughs> no to yes, basically. Like people are enjoying it. I think it's really maybe the purists and just like comedians who are like, but this isn't an act. Like you can't go to, I heard Nate Bargatze talking about it today on a podcast about yeah. how, like at the end of the day, like you still need an act. Like you can't sell out an arena and just be doing crowd work to the first four rows. You know, at a certain point you got to have an act. People are coming for the act. Like you may get them in with the crowd work, but you've got to have an act to actually keep them. Yeah. I mean, and the reality is, and there's some people that can do an hour of crowd work and that's great. Uh, but it needs like, you got to still have some substance. Your personality still has to come through. You know what I mean? Like the Nate Jackson and the Matt Rifes of the world that are doing crowd work clips and crowd work albums. Right. When you go to their show, they've got jokes. Mm -hmm. They've been working this craft. It's just yeah. that the crowd work is what uh, sort of skyrocketed him. I mean, <laughs> I think we've talked about it before, but like Joe Rogan is a comedian, but 
is that what he's known for? No, he's known for being a podcaster. Mm-hmm. When you go see him, he writes jokes. He tells jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Sometimes the path that got you popular isn't necessarily the path that people come to see. When people go see Joe Rogan, you think he just sits down and has a podcast with them? Absolutely not. He actually puts on a show. He writes jokes that he's worked on for ages, and then he performs because that's truly what he is, is a comedian. Exactly. Yeah. So this is the uh, the modern times of comedy. So you just got to adapt. Get off my lawn, you crowd work. <laughs> but Nate did say that, like, you know, com- younger comics should be focusing on developing an act first. Like, oh. you know, and that, you know, Nate's been doing it over 20 years. And, you know, I- I'll say the same thing, but I'm not a young comic just trying to race through the open mics as quick as possible. You know, it's a wholly different game now. So it's a totally different game now. Yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You know what I like about these young comics? They're writing their own rules about how to make this work. And that mm. has always been the case for comedy. Mm-hmm. It used to be where, you know, the networks were the ones that sort of held the success of comedians in their hands. Network executives would go to comedy clubs and pick out who they wanted, who the hottest stars were, and they'd make them big. Um, and now that's not the case anymore. You know what I mean? Like there are people who are successful just by doing their own comedy specials and putting it out there and getting their own fan bases. Whereas before those fan bases came from television, came from touring, all this other stuff, the game has changed. Yep. Uh, and speaking of young comics, this next one here, Chris Unknown. Mm. That is a great stage name to build a fan base with. I wanna go see <laughs> the unknown guy. That's solid. Um, but he said, started comedy six months ago, written almost 500 pages. How do you go about deciding what material to use to build a killer five to 10 minutes? Ooh, that's a good question. After right, I mean, that's a lot of pages. First of all, yeah. congratulations for just putting in that work from a writing sure. perspective. That's freaking mm-hmm. awesome. I think one of the things that, is important when sort of crafting a five minute set. Uh, The first thing is having a joke that establishes who you are as um, our comedy buddy, Jason from the World Series would say, having a defining statement as your opener, right? Whether it's what you look like or um, something about you that sort of establishes who you are Uh, something that's unique about you because that opening statement then helps establish everything else that you're going to say. So within those 500 pages, try to get super personal within the first couple minutes of your set and then do the rest of your material sort of based on that element of whatever you said in your opening statement. So for example, I have an opening statement around being an immigrant and then a lot, the rest of like my five minute killer set is based on sort of my experience as an immigrant, as a dad, and how it's different. That's kind of like how you build your five-minute set because a five-minute set is about establishing your personality in those five minutes. So bookers are like, oh, this is who you are. We can tell what kind of material you got. And that's pretty much how they'll book you because they understand your personality. So I hope that helps just opening statement and then your best jokes after that. Yeah, treat your set like a a first date, really, because it's kind of like you meeting these people for the first time. Mm. So a good rule of thumb is to kind of treat it like a first date and just be a little more introductory up front, and then you can get into the weirder stuff later or whatnot. But out of 500 pages, I mean, it's kind of like pick what you want to do because you're six months in. So at this point, it's like, all right, what excites you the most? What do you think is the most funny? Construct your set accordingly to, all right, I want to open with a joke I know gets a laugh. I want to close with a joke I know gets a laugh and try to have as many laughs throughout it. But the anchor points are that opening joke and the closing joke to start and end with a laugh. And it's just going to require following your instincts. What do I believe to be the funniest of these 500 pages? Let me go out, try a five-minute open mic. What worked, what didn't work? And you start to plug and play and refine from there. So... 
Yeah, that's a great place to start of structuring your set, but it's up to you to kind of pick what do I believe is the funniest. Then you try it on stage and the audience will let you know very honestly what you're wrong about. <laughs> <laughs> but great uh, question there, Chris, and congrats on a jumping in. Yeah, that's a lot of pages. Oh, very nice. Yeah, he, um, oh, Bobby Sutton said she's going to stardom to watch Hot Breather June Colson doing the Killer Bees Clean Comedy special. Very nice. Look at the Hot Breath of Ursalchia. All right, here we go. Here's another comic from Brazil, Brazil. the Planeta Studios. Uh, do you think persona should be built consciously or naturally? You should develop on stage. And do you think it's better to be a more neutral persona like Sam Marill or stronger like Rodney Dangerfield? Mm. That's a good question, man. That is. Honestly, <laughs> I didn't think about persona until like nine or ten years in <laughs> I legit yeah so was, yeah yeah so uh that's a that's a good way to introduce that when you are starting comedy i would say don't worry so much about persona as worry about just getting good at writing jokes and telling jokes and performing jokes on stage your persona is going to come through in the jokes that you are telling. Your persona yep. is going to enhance itself based on the way that you tell those jokes, based on the way that the audience reacts to those jokes. I, you know, I never want to say don't work on your persona, but I actually think your persona naturally comes to you as you do and get more stage time. And as you write more, it'll naturally just come out a bit more. And it depends on what kind of comedy you really like, right? There's people that do one-liners and have stayed at one-liners, but they may not have a persona. They just want to deliver one-liners. But then there's also people, uh, what's the dude from England, John Carr, who does one-liners. Oh yeah, Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr, sorry. But there's a persona in the way that he tells those one-liners, mm -hmm. right? So I think, but that stuff comes, I think it comes a bit more naturally. Um, but if you want to be conscious about it, do that. I would just say, don't worry about it when you are starting your comedy career. It'll come naturally over the years. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think that's something that, especially, I mean, especially with all the authors that we've interviewed on here and there's so much comedy education out there now, and there's so many yeah. different things to consider yep. and like, Oh, well, what's my persona? How should I use the mic stand or like, you know, it's, what kind of merch should I have and things like that? Like it starts with jokes. Like it's first, it starts learning how to write jokes and just understand A, B, what it, C, D jokes. Like yeah. Jokes. <laughs> it, it really starts with jokes and the persona will really reveal itself. Not only from just the evolution of your material, but you'll start to pick up on how the audience is reacting to certain topics you talk about certain ways you deliver jokes that may become part of your persona like jeff fox where they said on the podcast like his high voice that he'll go up into he said that came from just being on stage a lot and realizing that people were laughing when he was going up into that high voice so he started making that part of his act you know um andrew so dice clay natural. that was a character that was just a part of his comedy set that he ended up making yeah his entire persona you know it just sure. larry the cable guy carrot yeah. top all persona yeah. based right but they wrote jokes <laughs> it didn't yeah. start out that way they wrote jokes but yeah i think it's important not to make it a crutch to where you're like oh i gotta figure this out i gotta figure this out it it'll it'll come <laughs> it, yeah it, it comes. <laughs> yeah i agree but man, for sure you get to writing jokes and getting good at the writing part and getting good at the performing part, that persona is kind of like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll figure it out. Next pregunta. Next pregunta. From Ben. 
Look at you with your What's... big Spanish words. Oh, thank you. Oh, I want to get better. I want to I want to get fluent, but it's one of those things that you're like, well, it's a good idea in practice, but the actual doing it, you know, <laughs> that's the part. But I, I would I would love to um, love to be fluent in Spanish without putting forth any effort to do so. <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of how people are uh, watching comedy and listening to this podcast like, oh, I want to be good at comedy. What is the way around the getting part? I just want to be. I don't want to get. How do I get a special? I haven't been on stage, but I still want to get a special. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, like what's my yeah. what's my tagline? I need a catchphrase. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have the hotline for Netflix? Um, I've got this great bit that I think would work. And it'll Where to plug at? Where to plug at? <laughs> ben said, and let's start. Um, we can start doing a little lightning round with these as well, right. so we can get to me as possible here in the last few minutes. Um, what's the best way to reach out? Should I even reach out to clubs in town I'm visiting or passing through? Yes, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Reach out. Also, most cities have like, um, not I say most cities. I know Atlanta does it. I know Nashville does it. I know LA does it. Uh, probably a dozen other cities, especially in the Southeast, have this kind of like comedy group that is, I'm visiting from out of town. I'd love to do um, some time where you introduce yourself, you put your uh, credits and you put a clip. And if comedians who mostly book the shows in town see it, they'd be like, hey, come through um since you're going to be in town and so i think that's one of the best ways to try to get booked um in town is through other comedians but yeah the comedy clubs are also do the same thing uh hit up the comedy clubs and tell them that you're coming through and let them know um send them a clip uh if you've got their information but yeah i think it's a smart thing to do but i also say just you know find out the other comedians that are in that town uh and use your network as much as possible for sure. And even if you don't get on, if you're just like in town and a comedy club is there and you don't like connect with like a local comic and an open mic or something, it doesn't hurt just to go to the club and be like, hey, I'm a comic from out of town. Just want to watch the show. Like the vast majority of comedy clubs let comedians in for free just to watch the show. And then you can meet Facts. someone that way and get some FaceTime with the booker and things like that. Facts. Um, next, next question. Ooh, this is from Rob B. What is the tax structure of a standup? My heavens. Sure. I will. I'm an LLC. Yeah. Um, so am I. Yep. I'm an LLC. So I know, I know comics like created their own company name. I did Joel Byers LLC. Which, in hindsight, I probably should have picked a company name because I think it it's supposed to like differentiate you more. But either way, yeah, you definitely want to get all that going because then you can like write off internet or your home office. There's a lot. We'll definitely have to have an accountant on here to actually go through everything. But yeah, that's a good um, idea. But yeah, that that's a that's a part of the the game where it's. April no, and you're like, oh no, this isn't. Yep. I didn't realize this was part of the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, set up an LLC with possible with your state uh, to help you get paid in that way. Um, try to find some way to start invoicing and getting receipts and tracking mileage and tracking your receipts or anything that you spend money on for comedy. Uh, grab all those things up by the end of the year or throughout the year if you if you use Quicken or use some kind of tool to track your uh, travel or track um, your invoices. That's an important thing to do. Um, I mean, I, I would say I have an accountant. It made life so much easier just to find somebody who knows this stuff that can tell you, hey, this is what you need to set up. This is what you what I'll need from you at the end of the year. And sort of having that constant conversation with that person uh, and asking them questions when you need it. So it's important just because you don't want 
You don't want that tax man getting on you at the end of the year. You don't want those problems. Yeah, for sure. And I started with an accountant and then now I use um, QuickBooks to like track everything. And that's been good because they do uh, like uh, audits, like calculator mm -hmm. and stuff to make sure that everything's on the up and up before you uh, file. For sure. Did we'll we skip definitely, definitely, definitely have to get an accountant on here. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, do we skip a question from Mike Jumps? Um, well, we got to his earlier. He had the first question. Oh, okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to get to other people's questions. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, just out of fairness, but since he was asking about corporate gigs and someone may be listening and think, oh, I'd like to book Joel and Yoshi for a corporate gig. <laughs> um, corporate gigs, yeah. I would say start in, I, I would say Four figures, I mean, is ideal, you know, at least in the high yeah, hundreds. Yeah, yeah, four figures for corporate gigs. If, you, if you're if you charging $100 for corporate gigs, you are doing yourself a disservice. Yeah. Yeah, that's Just, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If don't it's a $100 that. corporate gig, you don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, and, and part of the reason is corporate gigs, they have bigger budgets. Right. It's not like your local bar or somebody like that um, for the gig. They have much bigger budgets, probably have an entertainment budget or is part of a program that they're doing. Um, you should definitely start sort of low four figures um, and higher. Um, or if you like know someone, it's also just good to ask, hey, what's your budget for the show? Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes people are a little afraid to ask that, or you can ask, um, give me a range. What's the range that you guys typically put on for other shows? Because I can tell you that let's say um, uh, somebody is coming in, like a band is coming in, a band is not getting paid $100 to do the show, just so you know. So that just gives you some context. Exactly. Yeah, corporate gigs can be... Um... Yeah, a great way to make some income, especially near the end of the year with like holiday parties and stuff. So yeah. don't undersell yourself. They have they have budgets for these things, and that's that they uh, have to spend just like colleges. So yeah. also they have got a very high bar when it comes to corporate gigs. There's there's a lot of content that you cannot say at corporate gigs um, that you want to be sure that you ask them what they're okay versus not okay with. Very few corporate gigs are blue. Most, if not 98% of corporate gigs are clean comedians and clean sets only. Almost PG, not even PG-13. PG is typically what most corporate uh, clients want. Vavoom. All right. All right, so let's get to as many of these as possible in the last few minutes here. Um, oh, somebody said I look crisp today. Let's let's focus on that for a little bit. Thank you. Oh, nice. Well, they were roasting your mustache last week, and this week I guess they're mm. Yoshi wants to make sure. Yeah, no more people roasting. are peeping. Yeah, holla at your boy. <laughs> no don't holler let's not do that <laughs> but Paul. i take compliments i do love compliments the more compliments the better i am as a human being all right um <laughs> greg brown hey guys just filmed for tv and have burnt through most of my minutes um, I need to make an extra 10 minutes of great stand up by December for the finale. Do you have any tips for creating quality material in a short amount of time? I have a theme sort of American in Romania. What can I do to produce quality material? Just focus on writing 30 minutes a day or should I revise old premises? Or just be super vigilant about inspiration. Thanks. Well, the good thing is you have a deadline. So, you know, you have to have something ready by this certain date so you have that to hold yourself accountable and a great place to start is the right 10 club i mean start writing jokes in there even just using the word of the day as a jumping off point to then afterwards 
you can start to write beyond just the 10 minute exercise and really committing every day to just sitting down and writing. What I have to do is set a timer literally on my phone where I have to like set a 20 minute timer and then my brain just knows, okay, for the next 20 minutes, all I'm focusing on is just writing. And I have to set that timer or I'll, I was like, even this morning I was sitting there scrolling and I was like, ah, oh, and I got to set the timer and then my brain just knows. And that's just a good way of like accountability of like, I know it's almost a trigger that when I start that timer, I know that it's writing time, but yeah, sitting down and writing. Yep. Copy that. Uh, it doesn't matter how you come up with it. Just sit and write as much stuff as possible. Get to 500 pages and then <laughs> drill it down <laughs> to 30 minutes. Uh, because the key really with writing quickly like that is just how often are you going to be on stage to refine the joke to a better performance joke? Just the writing part isn't going to help. You actually got to get on stage to actually perform it and get it nice and tight. So make sure you factor that part in. Yep. Exactamundo. Oh, and Chris Unknown said corporate gigs in UK are like five grand. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like we're saying yeah. four figures is like the starting point, but I mean, yeah, you know, big comedians make six figures doing corporate yeah. gigs. Dude, so, I, mean, I know comedians that, yeah, I, I was going to book a clean comedian that has Netflix specials and it was almost like a quarter of a million dollars. And I know people that have paid a million dollars for comedians to perform 30 minutes. Ooh, let's go. Yep. Goals, shouty. There's, there's budgets out there. All right. Uh, Oz Morris, I see many comics at open mics do the exact same jokes. Question, how do I pick the exact same jokes to do a thousand times when I have so many others? And how can you stand to do the same exact joke a thousand times? <laughs> but there's different ways to rework a joke that sure. may be the same words. I mean, you work on how you're delivering it. Do you emphasize different words at different times? Do you change the volume at different times within the joke and you're rep repping how you actually deliver it? Or are you just testing out tags on a joke so where you have to say the joke word for word and then you have different tags you want to test on top of it. But that's the thing. I have seen comics at open mics get in a rut of just doing the same thing over and over again, not trying these little tweaks every show that add up to like the big difference in the joke in the long term. But it, uh, building a joke is really like little one little punchline here, one little tag there one little way of saying it differently here that gets a bigger laugh or sets up the joke to have a bigger punchline on the payoff at the end. Like it, it's all kind of just tweaking and tinkering. It's very incremental developing a joke. Hmm. Yeah. I, boom. Bye. But it's also, Bye. boom. I think, um, and like in doing the same joke a thousand times, that's why we always emphasize, doing material that's unique to you and that you find interesting and that excites you because developing material requires a lot of repetition that you're going to have to be just doing a lot. And I think Chris Rock said like he does material that if it's whether he's at an arena or it's a Thursday in Buffalo, New York in front of 20 people, yeah, he believes in the material enough to where he can deliver it the same way in both settings. So just make sure you write material from that authentic place and you'll, you'll deliver it naturally. Facts. Well done, dude. Um, dude, it's like you're a professional comedian or something. Oh my gosh. I know. What is this book me? Um, yeah. Uh, Bobby Sutton, last few questions here. What exactly is clean comedy besides no cuss words? Is all talk of sex a no-no, even if it's G-rated? Um, like my hysterectomy, taking baby, taking out the baby bed, leaving the playpen joke. Um, I would say the best way to probably describe clean corporate comedy is... Um, Anything that crosses religious, cultural, 
or ethnic like intonation, I don't know if that's even a word or not, is like off limits because they've got HR departments. And if you make a joke about a certain race or anything like that, that's that's like you're you're like done. So anything that sort of crosses that line, I mean, think of it like, I mean, if you ever watched a PG movie, they're not making like race jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how you got to think of clean comedy, almost like in the same realm as you think of like movies is it's probably a bit more personal, um, but it's just really about no curse words, no crossing that line. It's almost like you got to think of it as can a kid be there to watch it and can a grandparent be there to watch it all at the same time? That's a good gauge of clean PG uh, material is that kids can be there and grandparents can be there at the exact same time to enjoy the comedy. Yes. Yeah. And it's all subjective. That's a good, that's a good baseline though. Honestly, like, like you said, some corporate events and things will have certain topics you can't talk about or colleges will have certain words you can't say and things like that. Um, so people's definition of clean, certainly there's, I remember I heard Andrew Stanley, a hilarious Atlanta comic said like he did a church where they were drinking beer and he's performed at another church where they got mad at him for saying beer. So <laughs> if there is a clean show you're doing, make sure yeah. you get the specifics on what their expectations are ahead of time. But what Yoshi said is a great rule of thumb to just be the automatic assumption when you hear clean show, think through what Yoshi just said and you'll be, you'll be ready to rock. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes um, you learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, we gotta we gotta land this plane here. Um let's land it. Yeah, we gotta land this plane, but we appreciate y'all hanging out. There's a lot of good discussions going on here in the live chat. So we appreciate all y'all for hanging out with us where we do this live stream every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Yay, yay. Oh, yay. we're up to 30 people at the end of the show. Dude, thank y'all so much. I think that's the most people we've had at the end of the show. So thank y'all so much for hanging out. We do this every Tuesday. And if you didn't get your question answered, I would recommend posting it in our Facebook group where you'll not only get it answered by potentially us, but also other comedians from around the world that can bring in their own points of view and experiences into answering the question so we love you all so much but alas we must go remember if you have a corporate gig or know someone with a corporate gig <laughs> yoshi and i are available and able <laughs> and we'll hopefully see y'all in our facebook group for sure for sure for sure thank you guys What's goody hot breath averse? I am teaching a clean comedy workshop on Zoom this Sunday afternoon. So if you've ever wondered where the line is in clean comedy, how to transform your dirty jokes to clean jokes without compromising your voice, and get live feedback on your material in the workshop, scroll to the bottom of the show notes, click the link, join the clean comedy workshop, or go to joelbyerscomedy.com slash clean comedy workshop. And I'll see you there. Last one sold out, so jump on it.